the Steve Dangle Podcast. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's Sportsbook. S-D-P-P. The Steve Dangle Podcast. With your hosts, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. We're going to start today with a couple of more serious things. Um, uh, the Canadian Red Cross is looking for donations uh, in the wake of Hurricane Fiona uh, here in Canada. Um, so the federal government is actually going to match every donation you make times two. So if you make a dollar donation, uh, it will be a three dollar donation. Whoa. So uh, STPN is going to make a donation. Uh, we're just confirming how much. And we just wanted to go to redcross.ca if you can. Um, and obviously, we know that Hurricane Ian is hitting uh, the United States as as we speak right now. Tampa, Sarasota, Naples, all th- that whole area. And yep. it's going to cross Florida and it will still be a storm on the other side. So quite destructive. Lots of storm surges. And um, obviously, if you're from the States and you're listening and a significant portion of you who watch and listen are, um, we would uh, encourage you to go to, to Red Cross or other relevant charities in the United States to, uh, to donate. Uh, as well, tomorrow in Canada is Truth and Reconciliation Day, and this is where uh, we take a step back and we listen and we learn from the Indigenous peoples uh, uh, in this country, um, the things that they have faced the horrendous conditions they faced. Um, And, you know, I think sometimes it's great to sit, it's great to listen, it's great to educate yourself. All that's awesome. Um, But if if you'd like to um, donate as well, uh, go to downywenjack.ca. That's one of the places where, and there are many different ones, but that's one that I thought I'd highlight today. Uh, And, uh, you know, obviously send, send some money over if you can. Obviously, we know times are tight, recessions, upon us apparently so um any any little bit counts and it goes to uh, a really great cause excellent we'll leave it there excellent yeah uh glad, on, glad to highlight those yeah things. and you know listen it's it's uh it's a you know a couple of things these things pop up in life right it's one of those things that we we and we want to make sure that uh they get the highlights that they deserve um complete right hand turn here but there's no other way to do it uh i also want to mention that um we're still, we still got 24 hours left for game over applications. So oh, if yeah. you would like to host a show on SDPN, we want you. Uh, all you have to do is set a selfie video in, a little bit about you on a resume, that sort of thing. All of it is at sdpn.ca. You'll see it in the career section. Uh, but we're hiring for every Canadian city right now, including Toronto. We have a team in Toronto, uh, but we are looking to add to it. And you're not going to be on the hook for like 82 games here and playoffs. We're putting teams together. So, um, you know, every market's going to be a little bit different. But the idea is that um, we want people to be able to trade off. We realize you've got jobs on the side. Uh, but we just thought if you've ever wanted to take a uh, take a shot at hosting something, uh, this is your chance to do it. And we kind of, it's an experiment. And Andrew Berkshire is doing a great job running it. So, again, it's sdpn.ca. We'd love to see it. And don't, don't be too hard on yourself if you're, like, taking a video and you make a mistake or whatever. We, we The one thing we can do is we can teach you how to you know, the ins and outs of hosting something. We just can't teach you how to be you. And we just want to get a sense of what you are. Yeah. Uh, you forgive yourself for ums and ahs. Yeah. And, dude, about that. I was so picky um, making like demos of myself. Like it, very few of them ever existed. And I hope I, I hope I destroyed them all. <laughs> but no, I would, I would take forever. I would take forever. I would get inside my own head and literally just talk. Five takes max. There you go. Is that it? 
Five takes, Max? I made it up just now. I pulled, okay. pulled number, it out of nowhere. That's Jesse, a lot of takes. That seems like a lot of takes. Yeah. Three, three takes, Max. Yeah, cut that number down. <laughs> anyway, send them in. Uh, we can't wait to meet you. Very excited. We're going to get the interview process started next week. And into hockey. Is it Rasmus Sandin? Or is it more more like Rasmus Sandin? Hey! Oh, you see? You see? That's actually quite good. That's okay. Do you like it? Uh, it's been uh, a while since that's I That's a solid... Off. Six and a half out of ten. Wow, I think even my high school pass. my high school average was higher than that by, by, by no, like four was points. Was it? Yeah, oh, it was a six, six, I had a sixty nine average because in, in throughout high school that was about where you averaged. Uh, I was averaging like seventy one, seventy two. I was not. <laughs> I was not putting effort in. No. Apparently, I was a brainiac in yeah. grade twelve. I was eighty two and a half. There you go. Yeah, my my uh, my every report card was like if he if he cared, he, we would do better. What were you? you? Eighty nine. <laughs> go away. Stop Nerd. being good at everything. Only in, uh, only in grade twelve. I was a loser in high school though. Yeah. So like apparently all I did, all I did was fucking school. Get wedgie nerd yeah <laughs> yeah i was wow. just a triple a baseball player and an 89 no, average that was that was when i was like younger try a little harder jesse i will i will try yeah. hard <laughs> the things we rip on people for yeah. oh yeah you're doing oh, well you're reading off. readings for losers loser uh, <laughs> anyway well that's great jesse that's oh, thank you. you know it means a lot it means a lot when you grow up and you realize that it doesn't matter at all. Yes. And no. you can just get to wherever you want in life and you didn't have to excel at high school. So if you're not excelling at high school right now, don't worry. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. really matter when you're an adult at all. No. It's <laughs> funny how that works. You'll it, talk it may, about it on a podcast 12 years later or whatever, and it doesn't mean shit. doesn't mean anything. <laughs> the, honestly, the only the only downside about having somewhat weak grades was my parents' disappointment. But beyond that, it hasn't really helped me back. Right. I mean, it, honestly, you just go out and do it. it go, allows what you, do you want to do? Go do it. If you're going to a specific discipline, you want to get into a university, you need those grades. Yeah, that matters. But if you're not and you're trying to find another way to get to your career, yeah, just pass. Um, Were you in the class that I punted on in grade 12? Which class? So, okay. The way it works in Ontario is for university applications, they only take into account your top six grades. Oh, yeah. Um, so you can take as many as eight classes, but nobody did that because why would you take on eight classes when all you need is six? So everybody had to spare in grade 12. It was awesome. I took seven because I couldn't decide. And I was like, okay, by like December, I'll know which one of these is my weakest class and I'll just punt. Like I'll just totally punt. But instead of dropping it, like I actually just continued to go and just not try very hard. <laughs> It was Mrs. Ashby who oh, was... She was tough, man. She was tough. She was tough, but I loved her. Great teacher. She was one of my favorite tough. high school teachers, and I had her for more than one class that year, but I... Yes, I, I was in the class you punted then, because I was in both of them. Do you remember <laughs> when I got up for my like final presentation, and I began my presentation with, listen... I didn't try very hard on this because I already got into the school I wanted to. So <laughs> sorry that you have to sit through this. Steve, I can't remember what I ate for dinner yesterday. So no, I do not remember the intro to your presentation in grade 12 for the class that you punted on. And she loved us for whatever reason. And she just put her face in her yeah. head. And she's like, continue, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just completely, my, all my grades, it was like 80 something, 80 something, 80 something, 80 something, 55. She, <laughs> she delivered the, the biggest burn a school, a school teacher has ever unintentionally delivered to me and i remember because i was really good at history until i met miss ashby and then i wasn't good at history and i couldn't figure out why so i stayed late after class i'm like why don't you like my essay and she said i think you need to read more 
Wow. <laughs> so she just. You gotta remember, history is my strongest subject. I loved it. And, was, and she just, just like, like stone cold. Like, you're done. That's brutal. <laughs> like, I'm, out. I'm out. I'm a chalk line at a murder. And let me like, guess, you didn't listen. Uh, I audio booked it later on. Uh, <laughs> no, I certainly, I was too interested in partying and meeting girls and striking out. <laughs> I, I had a teacher knife me too, where, uh, she was basically like, I think you should take a comedy class. Oh, oh that's but, nice. But she said that because she noticed I was always trying to make jokes, but did not find me funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh, like right, immediately I read all the subtext and what she was telling me. And I was just like, that's ow. Nice. Cool. I'm going to think about but that. But at least forever. she was encouraging you to pursue your passion. She was. We're actually like friends now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's but, good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Rasmus Sandin has signed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, signed the exact deal he was offered in June. The, the idea was Dubas wanted Timothy Lilligren and Rasmus Sandin to sign the exact same contract on the exact same day and announce it all together. And Rasmus Sandin said, No, I want $1.6 million. And the Leafs said, No, it's going to be $1.4. And he said, No, I'm holding out. And they said, Cool. Good luck with that. And obviously with the injuries, Jake Muzzin's got a back injury. He hasn't played. hasn't skated. I, I'm a little concerned about that. But Keith hope doesn't sound as concerned. Okay. But, uh, All right. Uh, just anytime it's a back. Anytime no, it's a back. Totally. He's been skating around, just not as a full participant in practice. But yeah, back. And then, and then you got Jordy Ben's got something. Dahlstrom's got something. You got it last night. And that's why Kerfoot and Yarncroke had to play defense, that's, which we'll get to. How did they? Yeah, sure. So, so, and I think CJ said it best in his column today for North Star. He was like, um, he's like, listen, you know, he saw the opportunity and he did the smart thing and he took it. Yeah. And like, there are parts of the deal that make it a little bit better for him. He's taking 1.2 million this year, 1.6 next which means his qualifying offer is 1.6. I think that's completely irrelevant mm-hmm. because if at the end of his contract, Rasmus Sandin can only command $1.6 million, it's been an enormous failure. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. If he's only worth 1.6 at the end of his contract, don't even bring him back. Like punt, trade him. Um, but I say that as someone who genuinely believes Sandin will be worth far more than that. He looks like he's going to be a great player. I'm I'm really excited to see what Rasmus Sandin can do with an elevated role. Yes, because it has been a lot of sheltered minutes. It has been, but that's what you do. That's sure. what you do with a young guy. And when you have Morgan Riley and Jake Muzzin and et cetera, et cetera, didn't do great on the right side, but there's lots of runway. I, I think uh, Keith, I mean, he's going to be forced to tinker. He, he used two forwards on defense, and they looked yesterday. okay. And they they got a shutout. Yeah, they they did they did fine. I don't even think they allowed thirty shots. I know it's the preseason, whatever. Who cares? Um, one thing that uh, I I don't like the narrative. I think it's a little bit wrong. Uh, today is people are looking at Sandine getting the same contract he was offered a few months ago, and they're like, "Oh, well, what an idiot!" Mm-hmm. You're looking at it wrong, and. It's weird that people are looking at it wrong, but I think I know why people are looking at it wrong. Because it forces people to give Kyle Dubas credit. <laughs> I don't think Sandine 
is an idiot for taking the same contract he was offered previously. I don't think his agent is an idiot for taking the same contract he was offered previously. I think this is an extremely well done job by Kyle Dubas. He stuck to his guns. He had all the leverage in Mm -hmm. this situation. This wasn't Nylander. This wasn't Marner. This wasn't the previous contracts that he's had to deal with. This was a guy with 80, what? 86 games or something? Like barely over 80 NHL games to his name, less than 30 points, 88, 88. William Nylander. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Oh, represented by the same guy too. Yeah. And like, (laughs) I assume this felt very good for Kyle Dubas to, I don't know, get one up on Lewis gross. If, if that's how you want to frame it, but Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just a job well done. Yes. It's just a really, it's, it's a job well done by the Leafs. I'm glad. They they stuck to it. This was even less than... Fridge has been teasing all week. It's going to be two years around 1.5, and it's even less. And we know Dubas does some of that last-minute stuff. He did it with Mikheyev and got him to take, like... It was, it was a negligible amount of money, but it wasn't negligible for the Leafs. They needed to squeeze every dollar uh, out of it. It's just, it's just a job really, really, really well done, and now the Leafs have a good player locked up for two years and a really good decor, even when there's injuries. And it's I don't think situation. we should blame Lewis Gross or Sandine for trying. No, I think for they, doing their job. I think they did the right thing here and they held out as long as possible for a little bit more money and they took a shot and they tried to get it and they didn't get it. And we don't know how much of the, of the old offer was signing bonus. So they got a lot of signing bonus and you know, there's there's a lot of tax conversation when it comes to the the Leafs and and all the Canadian teams and all their their taxed higher and the American teams have an advantage. The advantage the Leafs have is their financial might and the ability <clears throat> to uh, offer uh, signing bonuses up front because the quicker you have cash in hand, the quicker you can invest it, and the quicker you could potentially make more money off of that. So $1.4 million for Rasmus Sandin, um, receiving like half of it up front. I I can't remember what the bonuses are. will go farther than $1.4 million spread throughout the year. Yes. Signing with some other team. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's the advantage that the Leafs and several other teams throughout the league have. Yeah. I, and, and Leafs fans don't go with the haha Sandy and you lost narrative. Like, yeah, no, this, this is your guy. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, this, this is, is your guy. guy. Like, it's not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> he don't, didn't lose anything. We do do that. Remember, you weird. wanted uh, this? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you wanted <laughs> this guy on the team. Now don't make fun of him or yeah. say, oh, you lost negotiate. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I also think, obviously, that. Um, Sorry, my phone buzzed here. I got a little bit thrown off. But yeah, with, Sa- off. with Sandine, uh, obviously he's got to step up big, but I think it's also interesting. Chris mentioned, and by the way, the CJ show recorded this morning as the Sandine contract was announced. So it'll be very, very interesting. Chris has been following this, not just for the last few weeks, not just for the last few months, but for like the last year. And That's so he's, works, he yeah. has, he, I, I think specifically, Chris has some very unique insights on this that I don't think you're going to get anywhere else. And um, I think if you listen to the CJ show today, first off, they're, they're reacting to it on the fly. Second, one of the things he mentions in the column, which he got posted right away, it's crazy how quickly he had it yeah. up, is that the Leafs are going to, with LTIR space, find something contract-wise for Zach Aston Reese. Now, it might be 750000 bucks. 
But there's another depth option who's got tremendous defensive skill on forward, which they need. And, you know, and I guess one of the standouts for Keith too is Nicholas Obey-Kubel, who, you know, it seems like the Leafs have got these every year. Dubas does a really good job of finding these depth pieces. Now, we'll see how they play out in the first 20, 25 games, kind of like with Nick Ritchie. But boy, do they have a lot of great options. They do. And yeah, I could see the problem on the horizon of, you know, you don't have Michael Bunting locked up. You don't have David Kampf locked up. And those are two really important parts of your team. But that sounds like many, many months from now's problem. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, I'm just uh, gearing up to enjoy a really fun looking leaf season and you either re-sign them at the end of the season or you find the next comp and, and bunting and that's his job yep this is I, I always talk about what i wanted out of dubas when he became leafs gm and yeah he's got some tendencies i don't like but he's done a very good job yeah he's done a very good lock job. up the core fill the gaps yep he's done a very good job i would like there to be you know, a little bit more term mm-hmm. to the, uh, the quote unquote gaps, you know, I, I mean, people kind of forget the Kerfoot fits under that and we're trying to punt him out the door, but he was locked up to four years. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and has been useful. In camp, I would like to see get done, but, but uh, I mean, there's, he's got a, one season in front of him at a time. Yarn Croak and uh, Kerfoot played defense last night after the injuries. Yarn Croak's another one, by the way, four years. Yeah, and they looked... Longest tenured Leaf at the, currently. Like, longest contract on the Leaf. Except for Riley. Except for Riley. Longest forward, yeah, I believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, until, I don't know, July 1st next year when Matthews gets signed. Yeah. 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 And they're, they're going to make it seem, by the way, that it's like, oh, we... It's crazy that we had this, we just threw this contract at them and they said, sure, but we didn't talk about it beforehand. <laughs> no. no, that's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> no. Also, why is that illegal? <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Yarncroke and Kerfoot playing defense in preseason was cool last night. And they actually asked Sheldon Keefe after the game, um, like, okay, let's say, let's say you get two injuries from your defense during the game. Do you play, do you just, do you play forwards back there or do you just keep it to the top four? And he's like, well, listen, I don't like to answer hypotheticals. And then he starts laughing. And then he's like, I think that's a lot to ask. When we, They lost two defensemen early in the first, right? He said, so yeah. yes, we would actually move forwards back. And they didn't look completely out of place. They like, Yarncroke got beat a couple times, but Matt Murray bailed him out. Yeah. And like, I mean, they're also... I mean, it's preseason. I know. It's the preseason. They're, they're yeah. not going up against, like, the Habs best and like i think i think yesterday was a a a great example of 18 year olds with potential are still 18 and (laughs) like i i was ready to watch your Slavkovsky, and i remember it being near the end of the first i'm like oh there he is Mm -hmm. it's that's the first time i've noticed him he he did have a few plays that you know little flashes where i was like ooh, that's you know this guy uh, like uh, just bumping Victor Mete off the puck like <laughs> effortlessly because he's uh, an absolute wildebeest uh, on skates. That was fun. But I mean, he's 18 and he's not even surrounded by the best talent the Habs have. He'll be fine. I mean, it's I'm watching this fully knowing it's preseason. Yeah, there was a moment yesterday uh, during the second where I was just like, this hockey is hog shit. <laughs> can I, but I love it. Can I say something about the preseason? There's too many games. 
there's, there's way there's too many. Seven games. preseason games for the least. There yeah. needs to be three or four. It's down from nine. Yeah, it's ri- it's absolutely ridiculous. There shouldn't be two weeks of preseason games. A full schedule, seven games. It's ridiculous. I think it's the awful problem. Hockey. The problem is that um, a lot of these teams do make some serious money off of it. Like the Leafs yeah. are close to sell out every night, and I know it doesn't really matter for the Toronto Maple Leafs bottom line, but for a team like Calgary. For a team like, I don't know, uh, let's say Nashville, that might matter a lot more. Here, can I give you some reasons why the preseason's too long? Uh, John Tavares, Jake Muzzle, yep. yeah. mm-hmm. um, uh, Fraser Minton, uh, Dahlstrom, Carl Dahlstrom, Jordy Ben, Jordy Ben. Yep. Mm-hmm. Who, who else am I missing? I know. No, I know. Oh, Adam Gaudet. Oh, yeah. He's, a, he's got that shoulder thing. You're Canucks fan. Should we continue? Brock Besser. Yeah. Oh. Ilya Mikheyev. Yep. Uh, McCann's going to be okay. Zegris, oh. fucking yeah. last oh. night, awful. Yeah. Oh. oh, did he get smacked? By the way, I, I just want to say McCann's going to be okay. He's wide I saw open. that. Yeah. I saw yeah. that. Yeah, it's, that is good. It's way too long for all of these teams. I don't. I don't know how you make up the revenue if it's significant, but find a way. Three games max. Extend training camp if yeah. you want, but keep these guys. You know safe. what? You know what would make the people happy? What? Jersey patches. We should yeah. look into that. <laughs> people love those. I hear. Anyway, um, I, I, I also want to throw this it, at you. It would never work on me. Hey, does anyone uh, want to enjoy a cold glass of milk? <laughs> uh, is the milk from uh, Ontario? <laughs> yeah, I would like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Only, Only that, some, though. Some dairy farmers in yeah. Ontario made that milk. Fields you know, the they forks, don't get baby. enough appreciation. <laughs> um, Kevin Papetti tweeted this last night. And again, I know it's preseason. I know it's like game three or four. And Dennis Malgan is the Leafs leading scorer right now. But <laughs> hilarious. Hilarious. The best possible outcome. <laughs> yeah. So funny. Oh, but God. Ilya Samsonov, 40 minutes played, zero goals against 16 saves. Matt Murray, 40 minutes played, zero goals against 16 saves. If goaltending is mostly a head game, and a lot of coaches will tell you it is, mm-hmm. like there are some obviously physical specimens uh, like Vasilevsky, who are just, it's different. Yeah. Carey Price at his prime, it's different. But most goalies are very, 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 very good at this level. And a lot of it is between the ears or it's injuries. Mm-hmm. Not a bad start for two guys that could use some confidence. No, I mean, that's all the preseason is about, is gaining confidence. Ilya Simsonov, here's a little bit for you. Mm-hmm. Um Matt Murray, here's a little bit for you. And really underratedly, and you could see it on his face, Nick Robertson. Oh. Yeah, that was, that was, he a needed that goal. Shot. Yeah. He yeah. needed that goal. <laughs> what? Jesse. Give, oh, give it to yeah, Jesse. No, five holes. Great. Oh, top notch NHL that's goal fucking, there. That's a, that's, a pre, that's a preseason goal if I've ever seen one. <laughs> that's a snipe. Oh, yeah, no. Fucking Jason Spezza in his prime there. Before Man, we, <laughs> before we get to you can on. bet that. Just a, just a tweet from uh, the Oak Leafs. Friendly reminder that Nikita Zaitsev has two more years left at an AAV that pays basically the same as the two-year deals that both Lilligren and Sandine have signed. Wow, that's a mouthful. So Say it again. if you combined Lilligren and Sandine... Oh, both years of both players. If Yeah, they still make less than Zaitsev does per year. Oh my God. <laughs> no. <laughs> Holy shit. I know. So, you know, listen... Uh, for every anybody that's uh, still loves your boy Lou, one point four million plus one point four hey, million equals two point eight million. He got Nikita Soshnikov and he scored a preseason goal. Nikita Zaitsev makes four and a half a year, Man. so they have Lilligren and Sandine for half of Nikita. That Zaitsev. deal was something. It was something. Okay, with that, let's get into you can bet. 
Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportbook presents You Can Bet That with David Bastel. Must be 19 plus. Please play responsibly, Ontario only. Okay, Dave, we got to talk Buffalo Bills. I mean, listen, a little bit of a disappointing loss last week. We thought they were going to be the number one team in the league, but here come the uh, the Dolphins coming in and beating them. What's going on this week? What are we looking at at sportsinteraction.com slash STPS? Yeah, you know what? Tough schedule too, eh? You talk about how they started off and now they're in Baltimore. They're favorites in Baltimore by a about a field goal, like at, at time of uh, our video here, it's going to be a field goal. Um, I think it's probably going to stay around there. I, I think the Bills get it right. This is a pretty good Ravens team, though. Lamar Jackson is fantastic. And if you have him in fantasy, you're probably winning all your fantasy drafts and so forth. But uh, I think the Bills get it right. Uh, what about you guys? Steve? Well, I just want to know odds on another press box tantrum where they just <laughs> slam all the papers and, and everything. That, that was a good video. That's a wild clip. That was great. That was great. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I think I'm, a, I'm actually a big believer in the Buffalo Bills. I just, the, the one thing, like when I, when I will start to get worried about it is I think they've got a little bit of that Leafs curse. You put them in the playoffs and things go wrong. Okay. But uh, but regular season, I'm all on board the Buffalo Bills, and I'm taking that. All on board. Absolutely. Circle the wagons. You got it. <laughs> Same. Uh, secondly, um, you got you got a prop here on Matt Murray. And this is yes. going to be an interesting one, because he's had a really good start in the preseason. I know it's preseason, but it's hey. a good start. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Save percentage. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, it's save percentage. So we, we've set the save percentage at Sports Interaction, and, you know, it's, it's 909 and a half. So you're going over or under 909 and a half uh, percentage wise, right? So you think that your solid goaltending in the NHL is over that point. Uh, is he going to be a solid goaltender, Steve? <laughs> I, I, I think so. I man, that's still really high. Like it is, I know. Because safe percentages <laughs> are going down league wide. It's it's yes. nothing even against him. And the Leafs did a okay last regular season with sub nine hundred goaltending. So mm-hmm. uh, for me, I I gotta take the under while cheering yeah. for the over. Yeah, he <laughs> can have a really good season and still be under that nine ten. That's yeah. that's one of those little bets. Where I, where I, Fair. where I cheer against myself, you know what I mean? Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Like, but if that. I win, I'm like, well, I won. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you guys, but you know, if, if you had to tell me and I had to make a bet right now, I don't think Matt Murray's going to be the starter mid season. Mm. I really think, I really think it's the other guy. Cause well, I think there's a lot, lot going on there and a pretty good pedigree as well. I, I know Matt Murray has the cups and so forth, but I just got a feeling uh, Elias Simsonov is going to be your starter by midseason. And the less you play, the higher your save percentage can be because oh, you let him no. go. <laughs> potentially, <laughs> potentially. Right. Well, so well, well played. Right. <laughs> uh, here's my answer. Who's who's going to be the starter for the Leafs? Whoever's healthy. Ah, there it is. Ooh, hey, oh, hey. Sportsinteraction.com slash STPN. His name is Dave Bastel, and you can follow him at Dave Bastel on Twitter, along with at SIA Sport. Dave, thanks so much. We'll see you next week. Thanks, fellas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, um, you know, obviously we had a lot of bad news with injury. We were talking about all the, the injured players. What you guys did not mention mm. is Sean Couturier does not need surgery. That's good. And he is day-to-day. Oh. I, I read week-to-week, but day-to-day is much better. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, he could be week-to-week. I mean, really, isn't, be it back the same, isn't it the same thing? Depends who you ask. Weeks are just a collection of days. Wow. So, so are years. That's true. Is he year to year? Can <laughs> you imagine? That's what they made it sound like. Fractional year to year? At first. But uh, well, they're, uh, no, they're ex- that's, that's good for him. They, they've come out and publicly said they don't expect Ryan Ellis to play now. Like I was reading ESPN this morning and they were like, yeah, there's no way. Um, you talk about a guy who was great right up until he couldn't play. Right. I, and I mean, who knows? Maybe he will. But I think that's great news this year. for the Flyers. And I think, I think with Torts there and what he's trying to do, which... You know, I'm not always on board with John Tortorella's coaching style, but I will say this. He was bang on that there's a culture problem there. Mm-hmm. There's an accountability problem there. Mm-hmm. And I, if I had an organization with that issue, he'd be the phone call that I'd be making. And yep. with Couturier there, I think that allows the Flyers to be that much step. Because if, if you're injured, you're really not around the team much, right? Yeah, that's true. And so for Couturier to be in the dressing room, to be, be able to skate, to be able to play, that is going to be a huge thing for whatever the Flyers are going to be in the future. And whether or not this core or these group, this group of guys even works. And for a guy who was pretty consistently in the Selkie conversation when he was healthy, like mm-hmm. you talk about a, a Torts dream. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Sean Couturier will absolutely be that. And part of the reason I think Torts is popular with a lot of the players that he's coached is um, he squeezes blood from a stone. Um, but what what that gives birth to is players making money in their career that they never would have made. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If, if a coach can make a player better, all of a sudden your career earnings go from league minimum guy to, I signed a contract where I make 3 million times three or something like that. It's pretty sweet. Which, that's yeah. life changing. That's life changing. You can see why guys like him and they probably don't like him during practice. <laughs> I hope Couturier holds up because in February, if you remember, he only played 29 games last year. He had back surgery. Yeah. And this upper body injury that they thought was he was going to require surgery again, which they haven't really specified what the injury is, that would have that's another injury on top of the back surgery that he already had that he's recovering from. Yeah. So I I'm interested to see how his season goes and if these injuries hold off because it doesn't sound like his body's keeping up right now. There's no zero, there is zero incentive for the Flyers to rush him back. So I assume he's playing because he's good to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's not playing yet. You know, he hasn't participated in any practices yet, yeah. but it's good that no surgery is required. But he's year after to year. just having So it could happen year to year, year to collection year. of days. Yeah, yeah, just a collection <laughs> of Decades. days. Months to month, year to year. Uh, Kevin Adams gets an extension in Buffalo. I didn't realize this. Check this out. The Sabres had 34 points, sorry, 35 points from March 2nd to the end of the season last year. Dude, they were good. They were good. Now, 12th, that's 12th uh, best in the NHL now, no, during that span. During the span where the games didn't matter. The Leafs were the K 
kings of March. Yep. In the early years of my LFR videos. Oh, yeah. And then they would just miss the playoffs by two points. And they would, yep. And yeah, they would just be like, all right, let's fuck up our draft pick. And, and they would do that every Boy, year. Boy, last year, last game of the season. First, first ever hat trick in a 600 plus game NHL career came in his last ever NHL game. Uh, but it got the Leafs Nazem Kadri instead of Braden Shen, which I would say worked out. Yeah. Um, because Burke wanted both. He was pissed. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, it's a tough one to evaluate. The Leafs used to be the Kings of March, the Sabres. I think the Sabres were good before the dog days though. They had a good start last year, right? They had a, like they didn't, as in they won a few games and people were like, Hey, yeah. But then there's, then there's. I think the Sabres were among the teams in the NHL who probably played the most games against backup goalies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Someone's going to play them. And there's a lot of good backup goalies in the NHL. I I think. And they're in a terrible division for them. Like it's a terrible division. They deserve, I'm going to say reserved credit. Here's, here's a question I have Jesse, who has a computer in front of him. Who the hell is, are the Sabres two goalies? I know they have Craig Anderson who's 41 and who? Luka Pekaluka then? Mm, is he? Um, Eric Comrie and Craig Anderson. Hmm. That's, okay. Uh, that's tough. That's right. not great. That's tough. Yeah, like, Luka Pekka and uh, Malcolm Subban are in the uh, AHL. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like... <laughs> that's their four. That's... <laughs> uh, that's... You know, and I mean, Craig yeah. Anderson was better than anyone could rightfully expect a forty-year-old, forty-plus-year-old to be in the National Hockey League. Um, but we're getting away from the point. Uh, Kevin Adams has done a job with the Buffalo Sabers that, prior to the Eichel trade, I would have never imagined possible. Hopeless, yeah, completely it felt hopeless. hopeless. They did a great job in that deal. Taking nothing, I'm taking nothing away from Jack Eichel. I I expect him to have an amazing season with the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, but they got some really good pieces. Well, okay, Alex Tuck, Peyton Krabs, a first and a second. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's and really good. Noted, Alan Walsh oh. client JJ Paterka. That's right. Who uh, I even texted him when he announced that I was like, JJ Paterka is really good. <laughs> like, good, good job. The Buffalo Sabers have some real pieces. It's just a little quick to be like, ah, oh, they had a great end of the season because teams don't go zero and eighty two. Every team will reach like a threshold, you know. So, but <laughs> they had thirty five points, which is good for twelve. But if you look NHL at the Buffalo Sabers and the job Kevin Adams has done, is thumbs up, like fantastic. They have serious pieces, like Tage Thompson, the forty one goals he had last year. Absurd. Who saw that coming? Absurd. Even Darlene's improving a lot. Darlene taking like a full season of Darlene performing like that with Owen Power behind him. Yep. Mm-hmm. That that could that could really be a disruption in the Atlantic. Uh, Dylan Cousins is still there. Not quite at the same level as those guys, but yeah. Yeah. Still there. Still there. Uh, Jack Quinn. They got yeah. a lot of prospects. And 40 a lot goal of good. score, Tage Thompson. And 40 goal score. They got a lot of good pieces. A resurgence. Very excited for the future of the uh, Buffalo Sabres. A uh, uh, useful, I'm going to say, Jeff Skinner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Useful. Is he overpaid? Yeah, okay, fine. But is he useful? Absolutely. Um, Ilya so, Labushkin. So you're... Well. They got Ilya Labushkin. I didn't realize that. <laughs> they got I the forgot Bush. about that. I'm gonna miss Boosh. I, I liked him. Boosh. I miss 
I miss uh, offensive dynamo, Ilya Labushkin. <laughs> oh, man. They, they weren't kidding. No with like, you won't see much uh, on the offensive side, and they were not kidding. Yeah, but then like he scored, nothing. I think, uh, uh, amazing two goals with, <laughs> yeah. with the Leafs. Weird. And he had that one crazy rush play. Oh, it was great. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so you're, so the Kevin yeah, Adams extension, the- I think, I mean, it, it, Buffalo, like the, the light is at the end of the tunnel, but the tunnel's quite long at this yep. point. Kevin Adams deserved the extension. The light's oh, on. Yeah. The light's on. Light well wasn't earned. on. Yeah. Well earned extension. Yeah. Okay. Light wasn't on for a long time. Also, it's that part of the year where everything's hopeful. Listen, <laughs> you, you have to remember, as Steve says, they're best shape of your life this time of year. And no one's lost a game in months. Bingo. And and so when you're, when you, I mean, I'm happy for Buffalo and that sort of thing. I'm not saying that they're going to be this team this year, but for at least three teams every year, the situation feels absolutely hopeless. It was just that usually those teams switch out. And for the last eight or nine, it's been Buffalo. Yeah. Listen, someone's... Gonna, so it's nice to see them... Yeah. Someone's got to finish last. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't think there's anywhere to hide in the Atlantic. Like, even the teams that finish sixth, seventh, eighth, I think are going to make it really difficult to earn points. And there's going to be a lot of close games. I like that as a Leaf fan because... And, and I said terrible division. What I meant by terrible division is that it's terrible for the Sabres because it's going to be really hard. Oh, but okay. everything's going to so be hard. Good. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. But with the Leafs, I really like that because one of the knocks against them, and I don't think it's warranted anymore, it might have been early on, um, is that there were nights where they just didn't show up. And And a lot of them were against Buffalo. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they've lost a surprising amount of games to Ottawa and Buffalo recently. It's crazy. But I don't think that they're going to be allowed to do that. And once you're in that mode of, we're going to have to fight every night, there is no off night here. Like maybe we get one night against Philadelphia and it's not so bad, but even then, uh, even it's them, torts, man. It's, it's torts. It's a. Uh, it's a, not easy. And every player on that team has two fists. It's oh, <laughs> they're going to be the broad se- is the, street bullies again. Is there an easy game in the Eastern Conference? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. There, there might be teams that are easier to get points out of, but every game is unpleasant. Um. Jesse wanted to talk about this last time, uh, but the most important list in the world got in the way. Although I did get some some complaints. Uh, the kid line in New York, Lafreniere, uh, Churtle, and Kako. Heedle. Keedle. I can't always get it. It's, you Heedle. can be forgiven. Philip it's not Keedle. spelled Heedle. Um, uh, Gerard Glant said today, or sorry, yesterday, if they're starting the season together, I'm happy with it. They played sheltered minutes, but they were extremely effective in the playoffs last year, which is when they originally were together, Jesse. I was going to save this for our season previews, Uh, but I want to say it. I want to say it now ahead of that. No, I want to preview my preview. No, I'm all in on the New York Rangers. Shut up. That's my Stanley Cup. Yeah, real hot take. Team that went to the excuse me, Eastern Conference excuse Final. Excuse me, there's 32 teams. You got to pick one, and I'm all in. Eastern Conference this Final t- with the Vesna winner. This team That's is real ridiculous. hot take. Ridiculous. I like Jesse for his risk taking. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm getting it out there. So when all of you follow my lead and you're all in on the New York Rangers as well as your Stanley Cup pick, mm-hmm. I just, uh, just let you know I was there first. Wow. The team is ridiculous. They're wow. so crazy deep, and they have the best goaltender in the world. It's like Jesse planting a flag in the middle of Dundas Square. Like, (laughs) 
You didn't discover it, man. Like <laughs> this is where the center of the city will be. Yeah. Okay. There are like ten good teams in the NHL, and this is the one I'm picking. That, Jesse, they call that shooting an arrow and then painting a bullseye around it. That's not what I don't think everybody is out there being like the New York Rangers are gonna be the best team in the NHL. How many people are saying that? Ranger fans. Okay. There's one. And there's a lot of them. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of Rangers. Sure. Best that, they don't count? Okay, best team in the NHL, not a lot of people. Yeah. Oh. oh, it's a common opinion. <laughs> it's so common. Everybody's saying that. Move on. Okay, Rangers fans, I'm sorry. I tried to give you some love. I tried to put my flag to your team. I tried to put my flag down Dundas Square where your team is in New York. It's Times Square. Times, yeah, it's Times Square, but not as good. And they won't let me because they said everybody's doing yeah, it. Less so, fewer, fewer everybody's there it, yeah. already. I'm just joining it. Our, our Times Square is less naked cowboys, more religious fanatics, basically. <laughs> just everybody <laughs> yelling too close to the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, I watched him make a woman jump out of her shoes one day. That well, freaking guy. Well, if you're not from Toronto, you you're not going to get that. If you're from Toronto, you're how he's got a He's got one of those Yorkville PA systems and he's got it turned up to like literally 11. And the guy the, I'm talking about? Oh, well, yeah. Like he's the, got equipment now? Oh, no. Well, there's guys there with equipment. I think I'm... Are we talking about a different guy? I'm talking about se- the guy who always walks There's four different around. corners, man. Like they're, they're, they're everywhere. No, the guy who walks around with shopping bags who just screams belief. Oh, no. No, not that guy. He scared the shit out of someone one day and I... <laughs> Really had to stifle that laugh. Um, I think it's it's the top three deepest forward core in hockey. Mm-hmm. That fourth line with uh, Ryan Reeves and Barclay Goudreau is going to be something of a you just hate just an absolute chaos in the playoffs That's again. So not fun. Um, no. When when they have that that third line, that kid line is going to be the most fun line in hockey. Zabinijad up front, Panarin there, Kreider uh, is going to score a shit ton of goals. And then you go to the defense, and they have the top three defensemen, Kale McCarr, and then probably somebody, and then Adam Fox. I don't know if we're putting Yossi there, who we're ranking it above him. Fox, I think, is comfortably top five. Comfortably top five? Comfortably top ten, probably oh, top five. Disrespect. Yeah, disrespect. Well, I'm putting top three defensemen in the league. Adam, what does good. the Fox say? Um, <laughs> and then you got young guys like Keandre Miller. Yeah, who's Who coming up? Who's great. who's gonna start just wrecking in a yeah. couple of years? And in apparently, this year, hopefully, apparently yeah. Jimmy Vc's had a an unbelievable camp. I was reading ah. this morning. Arthur Staples like, hey, watch out. Uh, also, also second pairing, second pairing Truba, who's been an all star. I know, like, and Capitan. The he's the oldest defenseman they currently have on roster right now, God and he's twenty eight. Who's the that? next Truba? Truba. The next yeah. eldest is Adam Fox at twenty four, and Ryan Lindgren at twenty four. Are you serious? They have a very young core. Wow. This team is ridiculous. It's amazing. Now, Jesse didn't mention the guy that I was the biggest fan of this summer. I thought it was the most, one of the most adept signings this summer. And the Rangers sign him. Who am I going to say? Vincent Trocek. Yours? Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say noted Alan Walsh. Well, kind of Rangers research. No, yeah, uh, yeah. The Ranger killer, Halak, is now with the Rangers. Mm-hmm. But uh, Vinny Trocek, I think he is awesome. He's useful. He can score a lot. He can do a lot. And he comes from a really good system in Carolina as well. And I just, I don't know, man, but what a great signing. A great addition to what I would call the swarm. Mm. The Rangers are just, they're they're a swarm. It's, yeah, where do you hide? You don't hide. You don't. Mm -mm. You can't. Mm -hmm. To think that three years ago, this is an organization that put out a letter that said, we're going to rebuild 
be patient with us and to see where they are now it's so impressive and i hope that they do some damage this year again as they did last year making it to the eastern conference final we praised it for a reason like when that decision was made and uh look at them now Mm -hmm. broad streets back even though i don't i don't really root for the success Broad Broadway. Broadway. Broad Street <laughs> is Flyers. Flying. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, man. Flyers and Rangers fans are mad at you now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Even wow. though I don't really want to root for James Dolan to have more successes, but... Why are you James Dolan's me? not checking out the Rangers. Right. <laughs> He's watching the Knicks. <laughs> He's got out of the... He's um, not watching them either. He's yeah. playing with his band. Yeah, yeah right? that's, that's right. right. Yeah. He got sued because he played with his band Listen, too listen. Much. listen. <laughs> I respect that he's got a dad band. A good dad band, a really good dad band is a good band. Like they're fun to go see. My Could dad's in a dad band. Your dad's in a dad. Exactly. He's, That'd be he's like in a grandpa. Me band. and Adam suing Steve from SDPN suing you because you're not paying enough attention to the company because you're playing too much video games. We you could. <laughs> we could make a case. I think. <laughs> And my response would just be like the house it's research song from Red Dead. Uh, <laughs> what? What would it be? Get a board with a saw and a rule and I'll cut it. I don't remember. I uh, I don't know Red Dead a like a ladder with like, a hammer and a nail and I'll nail it. He, Steve knows Red Dead like the Pope knows the Bible. Work like it's so just... hard to build a little house together. <laughs> You don't oh know that God. song? No! I haven't played it in four years, man. Uh, and I never that? finished the game. I should have finished You're it. You're a piece of shit. I know. I never finished any game. That's my thing. You're low honor. Um, update on Hockey Canada is a little more serious, uh, but not too, like, uh, the only update I'm going to give you is that they got to go in front of another committee. Uh, Hockey Canada, this is according to The Athletic, Hockey Canada Board of Director, Directors Chair Andrea Skinner, former, former Chair Michael Brindamore, are among a group of people uh, summoned to appear at a parliamentary hearing October 4th regarding the governing body's handling of sexual assault allegations in London 2018. Former Hockey Canada president and CEO and current Edmonton Oilers uh, president and CEO, I believe, Bob Nicholson was also asked to appear. Uh, He'll be before the Standing Committee on Canadian Heritage, which is investigating Hockey Canada and their handling of the sexual assault allegations from members of the 2003 and 2018 Canadian World Junior teams. And we've been wondering about Bob Nicholson's piece in this for a while, right? Because he was there for a long, long time. It's, he was too influential in the organization for him to have zero input into any of this. You know what I mean? You have to at least bring him before a committee and ask him some questions, uh, I would think. This, I don't know, this could be a really rough couple of weeks for him. Could be. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and I just want to let that put that out there. And again, hard right turn. Here we go. Scott Wheeler is coming on the show. We haven't had him on in forever. He's going to talk about his brand new book. Let's bring him on. Ladies and gentlemen, bringing on a big deal. A man whose book could outsell Steve's and has far oh, less zoo content. Yes. <laughs> Way less. To its detriment. <laughs> it's Scott Wheeler of The Athletic to talk about his new book. <laughs> I don't know about outselling Steve, but definitely less zoo content. That... In fact, zero zoo content. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Behind the scenes with the Toronto Maple Leafs at the draft. Scott, what are we in for with this book? Ooh, it's uh, 20 stories that bring you from their very first draft to finishing at the pandemic draft. So, They pitched it originally to me as kind of do the encyclopedia, do every draft class, every player go through it that way. Uh, And when I went back to the publisher, I kind of said, that's not really 
uh, what I'd hope to do with this. If, if I'm going to do it, I'd really like it to be storytelling. I would like it to be here, here. Here's the sort of moments behind the scenes. Here are the decisions that were and weren't made. Here's the stories of the general managers, the scouts, the players, their families, their agents. Here's how the whole draft process works from scouting these players to the big day to the development process after they're picked. Uh, so that is what this is. This is 50 plus interviews with former scouts, general managers, players, agents, you name it, uh, and piecing together sort of 20 stories. So there are gaps in between there. It'll skip five years ahead kind of thing. Uh, but it it does still start at the very beginning with their very first pick of, of Walt McKechnie and kind of finishes with the story of, of Ryan Tverberg, who was drafted during the pandemic draft when he didn't even play actual hockey games. So, uh, Two, two sort of polar ends of the spectrum there. The seventh rounder the Leafs just had to have in a <laughs> trade with the Boston Bruins. I remember that. Um, You're probably the only one who yeah, does yeah. remember. <laughs> we need, Scott, no, we need Scott. Scott's book <laughs> to remember that. There's, there's two, two people. His dad, his dad sent the Leafs videos of him training. That, that was the scouting process. No and they way. knew that if he, was going, if he was going to be picked, it was only by the Leafs. And so when the Leafs made their second of two seventh round selections on draft day, they thought it's over. He's not getting picked. So that, that late trade with Boston was, was the saving grace. And it was literally just the Leafs watching him through little videos that his clip that his dad, who's a Toronto guy was sending to members of the Leafs for an office. Wow. That's, Absolutely fantastic. This is already a must read. That's yeah. an incredible story. Already. <laughs> already. I wish my parents were that supportive. Come I on. I mean, <laughs> yeah, amazing. Holy no one was like, you got to watch my son's YouTube. Yeah. No. So you gotta... <laughs> I didn't really get that. It's, my dad's like, I don't understand how to turn the computer on. Um, Scott, so you, you did a bunch of interviews. Uh, you can only get them by asking. What was yeah. the to you the most surprising one you obtained? The Just a shot in the dark. Uh, that you were actually able to pull off? Maybe some of the ones of, of former staff that are just now working for other organizations. I knew going into it that a lot of the people who were a member of the Leafs organization, especially on the executive side, have now moved on. So uh, John Ferguson Jr., for example, uh, he's now with Arizona, but was with Boston uh, when I reached out to the Bruins. And the Bruins were immediately got back to me and said, no problem. Uh, as long as you're not talking to him about decisions made in Boston, he can wax poetic however he'd like about the things he did and didn't do in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I bet they um, said that. Yeah, I bet they were great with that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and John was great with that. John, and I, he allowed me to kind of put it in this story, but I kind of framed John just as one example, as someone who wanted to to sort of write the ship. Like you could tell in our repeated conversations that he was defensive about how he's perceived in Toronto and uh, very also proud of his draft record. I think if you go back and you look at Fergie's drafts with the Leafs, that was one of the things that he actually did quite well. You go through some of the late round picks in particular, um, Komarov, Reimer, uh, Strahlman, et cetera, et cetera. They, they actually, Gunnarsson, Gunnarsson's another one. Um, so they actually did quite well. So, so things like that, where I'm asking other organizations to give me people specifically to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, that those were some of the trickier ones. Uh, didn't get, only got two no's. Uh, one of them was actually from Tyler Biggs himself. Mm -hmm. uh, I've included in the, in the book, uh, the text message that him and his dad sent to me after I'd reached out to them, which basically said, thanks for reaching out. 
we really appreciate that you want to tell this as kind of a human story and that you'd like to tell Tyler's story, but it is what it is. People have made up their minds on him and he'd rather not participate. So uh, in the in the sort of introduction to the book, I've included that text message. And uh, that became, in particular, probably the most difficult story to tell because I had to tell, I absolutely had to tell the story of Tyra Biggs. And I had to tell it through 10 other people who, who weren't him. So, and still try to tell it in the sort of human way that I promised to him and his dad that I would. So uh, that, that piece, those two, the getting Fergie and then getting the rejection from Tyler and having to tell that story differently than I'd hoped to. Those were probably the two big ones that were tough. What's the best part of the book and why is it the forward? <laughs> the, the, the forward's up there. The forward's up there, buddy. You did a great job and I am, I am indebted to you. I, I really appreciate that, that you took the time. And I know I, you've talked about it on this show and I, I listened to the podcast back a couple of months ago, but you were going through a lot uh, when you, when you made, that, made that time for me. So I appreciate that. What do you think would surprise people the most about draft day situations? Like one of the things that blew my mind years ago is, and this story I think is out there now, but there was that sort of notorious standoff over Mitch Marner with Mark Hunter and Mike Babcock. Um, You know, for some reason at that time, I was ignorant enough and perhaps young enough to believe, oh, everybody just gets along. Uh, And, and, you know, I don't, you know, those are two very strong personalities and there's going to be some fireworks between them at some point. Uh, what do you think? What do you think people will be most surprised by when they come away with this book? Ooh, um, how close some of the the calls are. I mean, I think the the most shocking things in the book will be the the players that they didn't pick, players that fans and media have never reported on that they passed up on Hall of Famers. That it, it was between a Hall of Famer and a guy who became a third liner kind oh. of thing. Um, so those, I think, will will sort of rock people's worlds a little bit. Um, but even beyond that, just how close some of those conversations are at the draft table. It's it's not like these lists are ironclad and they go up there and we all hear them afterwards, right? We hear Brian Burke say that Morgan Riley was number one on their list and you go down the list. I've got Morgan Riley, the story of how and why they picked Morgan Riley in the book as well. And um, it, it's, not, it's not as certain as they make it out to be. There is a lot of back and forth. There is phone calls to the stage with 10 seconds left to say, this is our guy. And then they're sitting at the table saying, holy shit, did we pick the right guy? So uh, it's, it's just hard. It's an extremely hard thing. And it has changed. I think that in and of itself will come across to people in the book. It has changed so much over the years. There was a time not that long ago when the Leafs used three first round picks on three Belleville Bulls. And the reason that they did that was because they weren't watching Timu Solani over in Europe. They weren't watching Mike Medano south of the border. They were just getting in their cars with a limited budget from Harold Ballard. And they were driving to Belleville every week with four different scouts who were supposed to, in theory, be in four different places. And then they picked three guys from the same team. And that has just changed so much. We know now with video and these huge scouting departments uh, that there's just this this incredible machine that goes into drafting these players. And that has happened really rapidly if you actually look at it on a timeline, right? It's not that long ago that the Leafs had two or three amateur scouts. They were all former players, and that's how they drafted and selected players. And we know that it's obviously a long way from that now. I have an intermittent twitch in my left eye that <laughs> comes out when I'm stressed. And uh, I hadn't had it for a while, and it just it came out during that answer. So thank you, Scott. 
That was uh That's pain. Scott. That's yep. agony. Agony. It's it's not yeah. just agony though, the book, right? Like there's some there's some good ones also. Oh, there's some there's some great ones. William right. Nylander, Morgan Riley, you go down the list. The, the, the Leafs draft history isn't frankly a, a particularly rosy one since the inception of the draft in the 60s. Shocking. Um but there there have there are, there are some nice stories along the way. And even the ones that don't turn out perfectly. The, I, I had a great, great conversation with Luke Shen for the book, for example, uh, and, and sort of walked him through being the guy. He was told in his very first press conference after the draft, what are you going to do to write 45, 50 years of, of failure, right? Oh, and just 18. just getting into this, the psyche of, of that as an 18-year-old. And uh, But there, no, there are great ones. I mean, in particular, the more recent stuff that the William Nylander picks of the, of the history, right? So um there there are some nice stories for sure amazing well listen scott congratulations on the book we know it was a ton of work we we know from sitting next to steve through his book writing process that uh uh it can it's a it's a long arduous process we're really looking forward to to reading it and obviously you can check out scott's work in the athletic as well because you're doing the prospect stuff all the time on top of writing a book and you know a couple of kids too it's just there's what a lot a boring going. life yeah <laughs> believe it or not uh, about a month to my deadline for the manuscript our house flooded as well so oh, we that's had, great. We that going for us. <laughs> as of course is tradition of course yes. of course well listen um october 4th you can check it out behind the scenes with the toronto maple leafs at the nhl draft if you need links to it uh check out scott c wheeler on twitter right now uh he's got chapters barnes and noble in the states and amazon links for you uh, so you can either pre-order or order the day of. Scott, congratulations. Best of luck with the book. And it's great to have you on again. Cheers, guys. It's been uh, it's been a while. You've got a nice new studio since yeah. the last time I joined you, well, too. We're not in Steve's basement now. Now it's mine. <laughs> 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 thanks, buddy. Yeah, thanks, guys. The Presser SDP. The Steve Dangle Press Conference. I like your sweater, by the way. Thank you. It's a CJ show, CJ shirt shirt from the SDPN thing, and it says it's the that's ridiculous. Also, I really love how with the SDPN gear, how the red comes out. Like mm-hmm. I had an Adam's History Corner long sleeve shirt that you guys mm-hmm. remember. I you guys got it for me for my birthday. Mm-hmm. It's one of the only uh, shirts I haven't packed yet. They're perfect because <laughs> I'm gonna wear it tomorrow. I well, think. yeah, you gotta use oh, it. You, go. you gotta wear a long sleeve shirt when you're moving. That fits you perfectly. Thank you. The uh, that's water. Anyway, I just thought I'd wear it for them because today was a big show for them. They had the uh, they had the Rasmus Sandin thing happen during the show, which I love. And also, I just want a little shout out to my to my boys. You've been hitting that bench. Looks like you've been hitting that bench. SDPNshop.ca if you want to get some SDPN merch. And Mark and Tuan Laporte uh, that has a question for Adam Wild. Oh, uh, can Adam Wild apologize for ranking coaches' hotness segment? 10 minutes I'll never have back. I will not apologize. <laughs> I will not apologize because a lot of people hated last David episode. Quinn commented on it and so did Bruce Boudreaux. And so did I want to say Jay Woodcroft and so did everyone's been asked about it. I told you it was a story and it was. Okay. Also I love David Quinn's um response. Who is apparently ranked 29th? Yeah. He's gorgeous. Shen, uh, Sheng Ping, uh, who covers the, the San Jose Sharks, and does such a great job. Um, you got to follow him. Uh, he says, he said, how do you feel about being ranked the 29th most handsomest coach in the NHL? And he's like, oh, it means I'm not last. 
it's uh, what coaching does to does to you. Look at me. And then he said on Derek Lalonde, who's number three, he's like, I know Derek Lalonde. He ain't number three. There's a three there, but there's also a number after it. Please quote me. <laughs> wow. This is exactly, I said this is like the South Park episode, and it is. It is. He's Butters. I'm number 11. <laughs> That's exactly him. 100%. It's great. Apologize. Apologize. <laughs> also South Park reference. <laughs> Kiss <Can you> it. <laughs> Stop it. Stop. All right. This question is from Bernie Wong, BM2 Wong on Twitter. Uh, Bernie wants to know, if you caught Aaron Judge's home run ball, what would you do with it? Sell it? Keep it? Give it back? Uh, I would. So for context, hold on. For context, Aaron Judge in baseball uh, hit the 61st home run of the season for himself, which ties the American League record set by Roger Maris way back when. So it happened at Rogers Center, and uh, the ball went into the bullpen, but a guy right above the bullpen had his glove right there and almost caught it, and they're suspected that the ball could sell for a couple million dollars if they had caught it. I Steve, think, what would you do? With I think what I would do is uh, fumble the catch and set Italian people back <laughs> a century what do you mean? by being understand. the guy named Frankie Lasagna who dropped the ball. That's his friggin' name. Did you know that? Frankie Lasagna? His name is Frankie Lasagna. Now, there's some... Confusion. I don't know because there were two people. There was the guy who uh, is like on camera, like yeah. No, there's one in a Blue Jays jersey. I think he was in a Danny Jansen jersey, the, the heat, powder blue that, one, and that's a fan. You're you got a Danny Jansen jersey. You're a fan. Right. Yeah. There was a guy who uh, was very upset about it, who I think was named Frankie Lasagna, and then there was another guy who missed it and instinctively threw his glove that's the guy i'm talking about that's the main guy he hit a stranger i assume in <laughs> the forehead <laughs> with his glove <laughs> that's oh my god oh jay's fans and then jordan romero was the the guy who ended up with the ball romano what did i say Roman- romero. romero oh yeah romano sorry Pies that's on. ricky buys on jim excuse um i thought uh, yeah. i want to i do want to ask the question Jesse, being the person who is the most educated with baseball, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Bonds, McGuire, Sosa. And there was for a while there, in that that one magical summer, it was McGuire, Sosa, and Ken Griffey Jr. was in the race too. Mm -hmm. Okay? But he didn't, he kind of tailed off at the end because he didn't take steroids, allegedly. (laughs) Kenny, Kenny, Ken Griffey Jr. did not actually take steroids, the other two, allegedly. Um, No, it was... was um, tainted meat. Yes. So it always is. So, what are your thoughts on those records as they stand? Are they records at all? Um, or do as soon as you know, according to Roger Maris Jr., mm-hmm. once Aaron Judge hits this next home run, if he does it, he is the record holder. Uh, Seventy three is the record. Like, don't let Rogers Maris get in the way of of the truth of the matter. Seventy three that Barry Bonds hit in a single season is the record. All those records should stand. It it reminds me of uh, the Olympics way back when with Ben Johnson, when everybody in that race was on steroids. Everybody at the time in baseball was cheating. It yes, was they were. it was the game at the. I mean, you're taking away Barry Bonds being a good hitter. Steroids doesn't improve your hand-eye coordination, your ability to hit the ball. It improves every. I assume it improved everything about his baseball ability for sure. It made him from this stolen base guy to a home run hitter. Like it turned him into that cl- very clearly. He was the king of the least mobile era in baseball history. <laughs> yeah, right. honestly, all of them are 250 pounds. So he, like professional wrestlers, he transformed his body. But like 
it also wasn't illegal yes at the time it wasn't it was there not. was no uh there was no testing. nothing in the rules against that so i don't know how you strip the record because if we're editing records we're going back and taking away everything and we're putting it in context it's important to look at it in context but the record is 73 because that is what is the record that's what he accomplished but know the context know the history of your sport know that he did it while on steroids as a baseball fan and as someone who played a level of baseball higher than the vast majority of people what is you guys overrate that so hard well, you played triple A, man. You played more than Adam and I. There you go. I played T-ball, man. We <laughs> go up to most people on the street. You played higher level of baseball okay, than go them. ahead. Um, what is more on the side of cheating? Taking steroids or sticky stuff? Good question. I don't know. I think it's all cheating. I think it's all in the interesting. Uh, steroids also. It wasn't. It wasn't in the book. Yeah, like, so sticky stuff. You couldn't do sticky stuff. That was in the rule book. That's right. a, that's. So I guess that's more blatant cheating if we're ranking cheating. One thing's a rule that you broke, and the other one wasn't a rule, but it was uh, code, and you shouldn't have done it. You know, it, it was it was a rule, but not tested for. Okay. You know? For for people who don't know what I'm talking about, we're talking about uh, sticky stuff that pitchers were basically unhittable for a while yeah. because they were using extra sticky stuff to throw these ridiculous pitches baseball and now is a weird sport in that cheating is a part of its if its history pine tar on bats the sticky stuff using it to get a little bit more trash on the baseball it's um, the spitball and shoeless ball has its name shoeless from- joe boys they threw a world series the, the, the chicago white Sox in 1917 19- Seven, Wasn't it? Yeah. 1917 19, World Series. They the, they literally have it out of the record books the, because they cheated. The guy who trained Lucky Luciano, and Lucky Luciano was the guy who created the mob as we know it today. Oh. Arnold mm-hmm. Rothstein bought off the White Sox. He bought the World Series. Wow. He was such yeah. a prodigious gambler that... Yeah, the the story goes that they they threw the series. Mm-hmm. They rigged the World Series. Yes. And 200 or 200. 100 years later that tradition continued with the Houston Astros where they were using garbage can to tip garbage cans to tip pitches. Like yeah. baseball has this long history of cheating and it's fascinating if you're just interested in sports. It's awful if you're interested in the credibility of the sport, but it's important to know all of these rules and records in context because there is a long history of cheating. And, you know, wow. I, I want to I do want to throw this out there. Uh, the last year, well, the, two of the last three years, Barry Bonds was in Pittsburgh. So this is pre-steroid era, 90, uh, I believe it's 1990 and 1992. He was an MVP winner. Like he hit. He didn't need it. He didn't. He didn't need it. He hit 34 home runs and had mm-hmm. 103 RBIs. And I'm just looking, trying to find his stolen bases. But like, you're talking a guy, a guy with 36, 37 doubles in a season. Like he's a, he's a, he's crazy numbers. I just, I, I, I want to get your thought on that, Jesse, because I'm of two minds. I haven't made up my mind yet. I'm still like, yeah, they were taking steroids, and that does sure, certainly help some things. But at the same time, even I can remember that summer of watching that home run race every day. I'd oh, wake up awesome. and it was so cool. Yeah. And you, you wake up and you watch TSN or you put on the score or whatever. And you're like watching it. And I, w- I watched those replays over and over and over again. And I just remember thinking like we, I knew at that time that all those players were on steroids. That was open. <laughs> I knew. And I was like 10 or I, 11. I People didn't. were openly talking about it. <laughs> I thought, no, I, I still really. believed in superheroes. Yeah. No, no. I, uh, well, sports radio would openly talk about it back then. Oh, I was too uh, consumed with like 
the Stone Cold Steve Austin era of it's steroids. <laughs> <laughs> it's because like right now, all this hype around Aaron Judge is is spectacular and it's, and it's great. But imagine it's Aaron Judge and then two more guys. That's what yeah, we had back then. That it was, was crazy. It was crazy. So it's it's this times three, and it was, it was so much fun. Yeah, I didn't. I believe too. Like I didn't know they were on steroids until like five years later. Or I loved. I I remember baked into the highlights would be Sammy Sosa hit a home run tonight or two home runs tonight to catch up to Mark McGuire. Then an hour later, Mark mm-hmm. McGuire did this, and they would show him like retaking yes. the lead, and oh, it was awesome. Sammy Sosa, who once got caught with a corked bat. Oh yeah, because his bat broken. There was a cork in it. Right. Also a cheater. I learned what yep. a corked bat was at that point. I didn't know what that yeah. was. I didn't. I was like, how does that give you an advantage? I don't understand. I still don't fully understand. What, what hits the ball harder? Uh, oh, further. Further. He, he, it's like a like a Something hollow, like a spring. Oh, the ball yeah, hits it. Yeah. I have a little interesting. Yeah, sure. It's illegal. That's that's the point. Is you can't do that, and he did it. Right, right. Well, anyway, it's a uh, it's a fascinating discussion. What would you What would you do with the ball if you had caught sixty one from Aaron Judge? I mean, I think you know. Obviously, you want to sell it, but you're not selling it. You know, you're not going to sell it. You're gonna you're gonna give it to you're gonna give it to. I mean, it's sixty. You're giving it to. You're giving it to Aaron Judge. Really? I'm just gonna you're hand getting, the ball to Aaron. Uh, you cannot, you're gonna hand a million dollars. That's not a million dollars. First off, I don't. I, I'm still not totally sure it's a million dollars. <laughs> Second, they were always gonna get that ball. The Ra- the Yankees were always gonna get that no. ball. Maybe you try to strike a deal with the Yankees and be like, give me. There's got to be some sort of financial compensation if you're a Yankee fan. Maybe you get season tickets for life or something. Hmm. But like, I'm telling you, no. they were gonna get that ball. They were they they were gonna get that ball. I was I, I, no. I was daydreaming in the car on the way here, and I was actually thinking about this. It's I I don't want to play this card, but I think it'd be different for us because people would see us catch the ball on TV, and they'd be like, "That's Steve." <laughs> <laughs> so I think if, if I if I caught a two million dollar ball, people might have something to say about it. Spend it on this, you cheap prick! <laughs> Give it away! You're get a, a bastard! Get a like, camera stand. Yeah. <laughs> get some lights, you piece of shit! Like, yeah. But I but I would Is it ethical to say to the Yankees, I'll give you the ball, no problem. However, I would like you to do right by me. By making some sort of a donation to something okay. I care about. So let me tell is you. That ethical? Let me tell you a short answer that on that one. Yes. That's ethical. Because here's the thing. You have something that they want. Yeah. The Yankees are used to having something that you want, which is tickets to a Yankees game. <laughs> yes. Right? And tickets to a Yankees game, I'm not sure if you've seen lately, there's been a big outcry in New York. They're almost unaffordable now. Leaf fans can relate. But the thing is, at a baseball game, there's 50,000 people, not 20. Right. And so the 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 price I think they 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 did a whole thing on this like four years ago when they introduced like a new there's like you know there's always like the first class seats right there's always mm-hmm. that but then they reduced like they it was like an upper echelon mm-hmm. where you were paying like sixteen thousand dollars a game and like or something like it was some what? ridiculous thing that they have Holy uh it was American? some American and again I'm paraphrasing because it's been a long time since I read that article and you know how terrible my memory is <laughs> um but That's why you suck at history it's it's one of those things that 
Um, I think, yes, you absolutely hit up the Yankees for that. But I'm telling you, you're not leaving the ballpark last night with that ball. The Yankees are going to get it from you any way they possibly can. Sure, you'd make some money. Hmm. Maybe you get some free stuff. Maybe you get to meet Aaron Judge. Meet his mom, who looked adorable. She was so sweet. They're cheering him oh, on. Was, oh. And Roger Maris Jr. Gave, him, gave her a hug. Like, it was so sweet. It was lovely. They were all at the game? They were at the game. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yes, because the Yankees charge tens of thousands of dollars per seat per game. They can afford to fly him in. Oh. Uh, but, but I think, yeah, you say to the organization, listen, normally this is flipped around, so this is new for you, but you're going to have to do right by me on this okay. one. And I do think there is a bit of an obligation when somebody sets a record that's 61 years old. That's how old this record is. That's kind of ironic. I like that. Right? And it was set in 1961, I believe. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, baseball's weird with numbers like that. What? Um, if you're a numerologist, baseball's your sport. The, um, I think you do have a little bit of a moral obligation to try to work out a deal with the Yankees to give it back to them. Okay. Because it is... He did it. I'm not asking for $2 million personally. I would like you to uh, give a donation that you think is appropriate to yeah. X organization. Yeah, or, or no, 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 no. Make your, make your damn money and, and do a donation to charity. Or you give me the money and then I'll do it. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. But like, but, I don't know how that's supposed to work. No, no, I've you, never caught a million I dollar baseball. sell it on eBay. There you go. Yeah. I also want to throw this out. <laughs> Out there. Jesse doesn't give a shit. <laughs> a little over a month after Tom Brady announced his retirement uh, last year, the football was put up for auction. <laughs> this fucking and it oh, sold no. for half a million dollars, $518,000. And you're telling me you'd give back the baseball? <laughs> and, <laughs> and less than 24 hours later, after the auction price was set and sold, <coughs> he announced he was coming back. Oof. The two people who are most hurt by that are A, the guy that bought the ball, and B, I think clearly his ex, or his not ex-wife yet, but they are in big, like she's out in magazines. I'm reading stuff like on the Virgin Radio side going like, we're talking about this. She's like, listen, I'm really pissed at him. He told me he was quitting. I put my career aside. It's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy story. That's, a, that's when you got to, it's crazy. Who, who bought the ball? The guy, uh, <laughs> who, so here's the thing with those things. Sometimes Tommy, don't release Tommy it. Rigatoni. No. Is it a private sale or whatever? It's usually a private sale because yeah. they don't, you know what I mean? Like that, then it's like, 000. oh, I know who that person is. So then I Google where their house is and then I go steal the ball. Ah, right. Like that's an, it's a, it's an, you know, it's crazy. You guys should watch if you haven't already is the bling ring documentary yo i did isn't that nuts that's nuts netflix is so good at being like here's a bunch of bad people <laughs> who Let's... don't take ownership of anything that they yeah. do she blames the culture for her robbing yeah. Paris no Hilton idea what you guys oh dude it's adam oh. go ahead no okay, so we need to wrap the show do the cole's notes okay. got, yeah we do have to wrap the show but cole's notes bunch of kids uh <laughs> walked literally just walked up to celebrities front doors and the celebrities were so confident that no one was going to steal shit that they left them open. Oh, wow. And they went in several times and they would just take small things here and there or whatever. And then they'd wear them and then like wear like a Rolex or whatever. Yeah. Post about it on the internet. One of the guys was like, I took Paris Hilton's cocaine. It's the best cocaine I've ever had. <laughs> and and he's like, it's like, you just see him. He's like, it was the craziest shit I've ever had. And like, and then what's so crazy is that they have to reach out to Paris Hilton and, his, and her reps like denying it. Like, oh yeah, no, that no, Paris Hilton has never had cocaine in her house. Okay. But it was, it's a crazy thing and you need to Jesse, what the music? I'm hitting the button. You cannot play me off like this. I didn't have 
Paris Hilton's cocaine on my bingo card today. All I'm telling you is you gotta watch it. It's crazy. Done. And then one of the kids is like, you know no. what? It's our celebrity obsessed culture. That's why I robbed these celebrities. Watch it. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Powered by Sports Interaction. Get in a sports book. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle, at Adam W-Y-L-D-E, and at Jesse Blake.